Folks, this is David opposing a matrix on a beautiful, beautiful Wednesday afternoon. What makes it beautiful? The weather's nice. There's no the sun's up in the sky, and we have Ralph Epperson over here on the show. That makes a perfect day. That's David Ruffino. Yes, that's David Ruffino. Ruffino is uh, often called. <laughs> uh, if you put your attention on the sign behind Ralph, we'll sell books for food. Yes, I. Uh, I, I, I Sometimes I don't many sell many books, so I take this sign and I go on the corner of Wilmot and Golf Lakes, which is a major east-west north-south street. Uh-huh. And in that little thing in the middle with that sign, which is very clear, you can see it, you know, a block away. Oh, yeah. <laughs> last, last weekend, I raised 29 cents. Oh, good for you. I didn't sell any books, but here, I would feel sorry for you, sir. <laughs> I can tell you're a destitute author. You should bring a guitar case with you or something. <laughs> you <can> throw money. <laughs> well, that's the price of rice when you're notorious. Right? <laughs> so, Ralph, what are we going to talk about today? Enlighten well, me. Just a variety of things from leftover. The last week we had a, we did a two-hour program, and I had some stuff left over. We'll get into that. But I specifically want to cover wars. Okay. There's your dog behind you uh, moving around. He's yeah, one of four. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to uh, chew up your couch, I think. Yeah, there's another one. You can't see him. He's right next to the chair, right? He might by with his tail. There. There. Oh, is that it? Yeah. Oh, little guy there. Okay. He's my boy. Okay, no, I And there's a couple things I want to repeat. Okay. I want to start with this. It, you cannot say this often enough, but, I, but I've got to because... This is a quote from Anthony Fauci in his own magazine, the National Institute of Health, our August 2005. That's 17 years ago. Right. In fact, maybe I'll get I'll get you to read read the yellow parts. So we'll get started with the reading. Okay, let's do that. Okay, I have personally visited the website entitled Virology Journal. The official publication of Dr. Anthony Fauci, don't go too high yet, National Institutes of Health, to confirm the con- contents of this article published August 22, 2005. Fluoroquine is a potent inhibitor of SARS coronavirus infection and spread. Okay, conclusion. Fluoroquine <clears throat> is effective in preventing the spread of SARS-CoV-2 in cell, t- cell culture. So HCQ functions with uh, as both a cure and a vaccine, the publisher first, the publisher of the first appearance of this article on the internet authored this observation. Should I keep reading? It's not okay. Yeah, I don't understand that. What type of man would say that when he knows it'll work and not endorse it to solve the COVID nineteen problem? Yeah. No, he came up with a vaccination, didn't he? Yeah, money and power. Mm-hmm. This stuff works. Right. Cure and a preventative. Uh-huh. And yet he, he talked about it once in a while and then abandoned it. That's called murder. People yeah. died because they weren't able to get this stuff. Or right. They or laughed at it or mocked it. He's, gu- he's guilty of crimes against humanity. Yes, I, I believe this is serious enough to be charged and imprisoned. This uh-huh. is absolutely mind-boggling. Uh-huh. 
Now, we, we had a little victory over the, what, last night or a minute? Was it yesterday? I saw that, yeah. Tell us. <laughs> What's your name? <laughs> oh. Miss uh, Cheney. Yeah, Miss Cheney. She, she, two-thirds of the votes went to the other lady because she was endorsed. Uh-huh. She, the woman had never run for anything, done anything, but she, when she showed up, you could tell she's an intelligent, wise, articulate champion for Trump. So that's, <laughs> that's one more congressman that we lose with Cheney. Now, there are people saying she's going to run for the presidency. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> And her father came out and made a made a, a DVD, a little announcement for her. Listen, we Chinese, we stick together, and you got to vote for my daughter. Yeah, she gets one third of the vote. Right? Did you hear what else she said, Ralph? No, she go said ahead. She, she's going to do everything in her power to get rid of Donald Trump and make sure he can never run for president again. That sounds to me like an assassination threat. Yes, that that's the thing about these liberals. They don't they don't care. They don't think they. People, people even pay attention. Right. Her little, little thing she had that uh, drop, drop, drop Trump on TV didn't uh-huh. succeed. Though that's not the issue with the American people. Right. Fed up with gas prices and inflation mm-hmm. and uh, high food and shelves being empty. That's what the issue should be, not whether we dump Trump or not. And she fear this man so immensely. Right. He's going to, he's, he's anti the Constitution. That's what these people are saying. Yeah, exactly. They're yeah. desperate. This, yeah. was, this was an article. Uh, let's see if I can see it. Okay. Trump aligned challenges ousting GOP incumbents. Okay, there's, uh, I don't know if you can read Oh, okay. Uh, no, it gets blurry, Ralph. I can't. The okay, small print gets blurry. Good. 27 states have held legislative primaries. Where's my name for it? Here it is. Magnifying primaries are conventions before Tuesday. In those, at least 110 Republican incumbents and 33 Democrats, Democrats have been defeated. Hallelujah. 110 Republican incumbents uh-huh. and 35 Democrats have been defeated. Now, yesterday they announced that uh, 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 Trump has been successful in 92% of all of them. Right. 200 Because he won a couple more. Mm-hmm. This is not very fun. Now, maybe you can only read the, the black line. If not, I'll read it for you. Astrologers who aided Reagan's dies at 47. Wait a minute. Ronald Reagan was seeing an astrologer. Right. Larry McDonald, who was the doctor congressman from Georgia, actually left a meeting with Reagan and her his astrologer. There she is, Joan Quigley. Let me ask you a question, Ralph. That was uh, Reagan was in about thirty-five years ago, right? Yes. So if Reagan was in thirty-five years ago, she's forty-seven. She was 12 years old when she was advising. Oh, that could be. I don't know. Just to talk. Well, this article was in 2014. Oh, okay. All right. So she was probably about 22 or 23 then. She died at 87 and 14. Okay. Uh-huh. But that's just the point. Why? Why would Reagan do that? 
He's supposed to be a conservative. You don't believe in astrology. Right. Supposed to be a Christian, too. <laughs> yes. Okay, now, this I've done this before in your in your uh with our meetings, but I got I still think this is something we've got to get a grasp of and start to understand what this means. Economic terms, non-discretionary spending and discretionary spending. There is non-discretionary. Non-discretionary spending, spending you have to do, mortgage, electricity, car payments, insurance, etc. Now we're just mandatory, that's what it means. Uh You can't decide to do it. Okay, now... I'm sorry, these things, this, it's been very humid again today. We had a, Nogales, uh, which is our Mexican border, had a flood. And it, really? it, yeah, it came into Tucson. And it actually, according to the report I just watched a few minutes ago, it actually damaged part of the wall. Really? Yeah, uh, the, the wall, the wall, wall. Uh huh. Discretionary spending, everything else, vacations, visits with the family, restaurants, et cetera. Now, wait a minute. That's what you got left after you pay your non-discretionary bills. Right. Let's just make up an, an, a little example. Now, annual salary, $100,000. Non-discretionary, 50000 Discretionary, 50000 Okay, now let's have some fun with this. Suddenly, your property taxes go up. Property taxes, 10000 and that's discretionary. Oh, discretionary spending now forty thousand. Yes. Okay. Notice what happens to the non-discretionary spending as they increase government. Gas prices up five thousand dollars. Discretionary spending now thirty-five thousand dollars. You're starting to see how it works. Uh huh. That's what they're after. They're it going makes a lot of sense until it's gone. Uh, inflation increases $10,000. Discretionary spending now $25,000. Going down, down, down. Yes. State income tax increase $10,000. Discretionary spending now $15,000. Do you understand? This is the money we go to see grandma on. Right, right. Wow. The communists in the California government are running out of ways to tax the middle class. And this is the reason millions of them have moved elsewhere. That's true. Listen, I didn't make a comment, but I mean, a paper. But that's covered by what's happening in New York City. Yeah. <laughs> the is moving those people out there. They're running around frantic. What do we do? What do we do? We got. We can't. We we can't handle. It. What about down the southern border? Yeah, exactly. Worry about that as well. Uh huh. So send them. Send them until they they're swamped in New York. Exactly. They have to. <laughs> Arizona's doing that, aren't they? In Texas. Yes. Yeah, did, did did we talk about Michelle and Barack with pictures? No, I don't think so. Okay, well let's let's start with this. 
Uh, I, well, we'll see. This is the way this jerk started. Of course, that's, that's what started it, this guy with their football player. Ever wonder how all this started? Okay, it started like this. So you got Barack Obama with his hands down down below, uh, not saluting the flag. And uh, I think that's the governor of New Mexico, isn't it? Yes, right. And right. He's got his heart covered. Hillary's got her heart covered. And whoever that, I don't know who that is. Yeah, I don't know who that is either. In other words, that was a way to tell us something, wasn't it? Sure was. Another yeah. way, another way, Ralph, was when he said he wanted to fundamentally change the country. Oh, yeah. I've never heard him. I don't remember him saying that. I yeah. wish I had. Yeah, the fundamental is the, is the, uh, the, the foundation. Yeah. You know? Well, let's talk about this picture first. Okay. Well, you got Bar- a young Barack Obama and looks like Michelle and Bill Gates. No, that's my, that's Michael. Michael Robinson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not before he came out as, well, we don't, we don't have any proof that it's Michelle, but that's before Michelle. Right. Apparently he went to, he went to go see Michelle and say, listen, Michelle, you could have Barack Obama because, but I think that's the way this picture told us that she was looking forward to having uh, this guy pursue her, him. Right. Right. Well, I think I showed you these. So you, this, this will, there's Barack Obama with Joe Biden. I'm endorsing you, Joe. Thanks, Denzel. <laughs> I think we need to bring, but this that we need to do this because for eight years we put up with this charade. Right. Okay. And again, I'm endorsing you, Joe. For what? <laughs> Okay, now this, I think I'll have to read this, but this is an article I got out of the, off the internet. I'll talk about the, uh, the mother passing away. Okay. I don't think you, can you read that yellow line? I can't see anything, Ralph. Okay, I got two. Well, unfortunately, okay, I'm going to have to bend it, but can you read the yellow line or not? I still can't see anything, Ralph. It's just you. Oh, just, okay, let me read it. Okay. Michelle Obama's mother dies, leaving inheritance to, quote, my son, Michael, unquote. Uh-huh. Mother, uh, ma- the mother, Mary Robinson, uh, died in 84. According to Illinois contractor so-and-so, Michelle doesn't legally exist. Wow. They're supposed to be sister, brother, and sister. Uh-huh. Mrs. Robinson will clearly states, I'm sorry, well meaning the, the document, Mrs. Robinson's will clearly states that her possession should all go to my son, Michael Robinson Obama. Oh, man. She laid it out. Yeah, she did. A person can't legally change their gender, so she has to use her real name or she wouldn't have gotten anything. Robinson's wealth includes a bank account containing the $12 million dollars the taxpayers gave her to babysit Malaya and Sasha while she lived in the White House. Oh, man. That's incredible. $12 million. According to the IRS, that money was never declared in the Obamas, and the Obamas will be on the hook to pay. I'll bet you. Yeah, right. Right. Along with her fortune, Robinson left her adorably 
gay son-in-law Barack for a collection of hatchets. Huh. Interesting. Now here are those two daughters. All right, that's Mally on the left and Sasha on the right. Now, uh, this is a lovely family, but there's no pictures of of any birth records of these two daughters to the Obamas. Right. No, there's no pictures of her pregnant. No of them wheeling a, a baby car to around the block or hiking with them when they're six and seven or three and four. Right. Until this. But man, now, man. These girls lived the life because all of the accoutrements of the being the daughters of the president was important to her. Mm -hmm. Now, let's take a look at this. I'm still in sequence. I got these uh, two in sequence. Hold on. Let's do this one first. Oh, no, no. I got, I got them upside down. So let's take this one. All right. I see the picture. And it's uh, what looks like Michelle hugging Barack, a very young Barack. Yeah. But yeah. that's is a big that, Michelle. <laughs> that is that. Is that an earring or not? I don't. Yeah, I don't think. It looks like an earring in her left ear. Yeah. Okay. So or his left ear, whatever. Now she was Michelle. But notice her hairdo is still very, very crisp. Yeah. Short. Well, that's revealing. That's uh, Barack Obama with uh, looks like Michael Robinson, but he's wearing hoop, uh, hooped earrings. Weird, yeah. Uh, this is this is uh, Barack Obama too. I mean Michelle. Yeah, very this, this buff looking. Because she's wearing a mad shirt. Right. Do uh, you know that that we button our shirts from the right, right to the left, and and women do it from the left to the right. Uh, it's not polite to interrupt the host. I mean, the, the host. I am the host. <laughs> it's not polite to interrupt the, the host. Okay, I'll I'll take that as as an adage. But what do you think of that? I don't think that is. She's trying to become female now. Now, I want to compare this picture. Look at. Okay, you gotta look, you gotta put it in front of the camera, Ralph. I can't see it. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, a little to your left. Okay, there we go. So that's that picture again with Barack. Yeah, very young Barack Obama and Michael. Okay. Michael with his arm around her and hugging her quite uh, close. I'm doing it for a reason. Uh huh. Is isn't her right eye larger than her left? Well, in the picture, yeah, but. Technically, her right, her left eye is bigger than the right. Okay, well, yeah. let's stick with that then. Okay. And then you got a picture of Michelle Obama with her left eye big again and the right eye smaller. Yeah. And the woman next to her looking at her like, oh, what the that, heck? Let's go slow. That's, the big eye is on the right, right? Yeah, in the picture, yeah, but. On her person, it's on the left. I, I see okay. what you're saying, though. Yeah. So, but but the point is, well, right or left, that's Michael, that's and exactly. this is Michelle, and this is a continuation. And the, the clue is the eyes. Exactly. Right or left, I don't care. Uh -huh. right, it's right. the same eye. It's the same eye. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's tough. 
sometimes you're a tough, tough audience. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, what we do? Okay, this, I don't think we, well, no, I'm going to do this. Uh, we'll talk, uh, well, I, let me say this. We're going to talk about wars. I want to talk about this. This is a victory in my, this article. I'm going to show you later. Okay. But I got to c cover the Vietnamese war in brief. Some, for some reason, they divided Vietnam into the North and the South. And they're going to say, well, we'll turn the, the North part to the communists and we'll let the, the, the Buddhists or whatever it is down in the South run a free enterprise system. That's right. the end of war like this. Uh -huh. So we didn't win that war. We fought it for at least eight years. Right. When we could have won it. We had superiority, better technology, better wisdom, desire to win. We didn't win and we, we lost. Now, right. this is the, I'm going, I, I, I'm a, forgive me, this, this is very humbling to me. Right. I don't see why. Okay, let's start with that picture. Right okay. Now. Okay. There, right there. Okay. There's a general there, right? Um, is he the, or is he the president of South Vietnam? No, I know. He's a member of the Hmong. The Hmong, yeah, okay. H M O N G, yeah. So, but his name is on the right hand. But, but notice he, he looks like there's no way to tell from that picture when he's looking at me again. There's right. no way to tell uh, whether what rank he is because, you know, uh, in the army, et cetera, you, it's on the shoulder. I'm not on shoulder, but I guess that the lapel, yeah, lapel, and but it's nothing. So, but I would guess because over here, uh, he's listed in someplace in the right hand side. But I want to read the letter. Now let's read this. Okay. Probably can't read it. The Hmong, uh, United Hmong Council of Anchor in Santa Barbara, someplace. So this is an organization that's promoting. Working with the Hmong people, I'm, I'm pronouncing it Hmong because it's got an H and we speak H Hmong, but I'll, I don't know how to pronounce it. So I'm just going to say Hmong. Okay. Hmong tribe, okay. So they're working as a council, but but this is, uh, it's in, um, California someplace. So they've got, they've got a council and he's on it, but the letter is what he wrote. He, Thought I didn't didn't know the Hmong people were involved in this thing, but yeah. they fought, I think with the Laotians against the Viet Cong. Right. So now I'm going to read it because I don't think you can read that type, can you? No, I can't. Mm -hmm. Okay, I understand. But I'm going to read it, dear Mr. Epperson. I, Mr. Nao Lu Ku, I've been watching your Vietnam America's betrayal and treason. If I may, that's a four-hour DVD exposing the truth of that war. I would like to have your DVD to let all of my Hmong people see and hear the true story why we're in America today. I have been searching for this true story for 36 years. Wow. He never understood what this war was about. Yeah. The whole war. Mm-hmm. Here, my little donation fund, it's got fund, but it should be fund, I think, for your time to study all your true life and get the true answer for our Vietnam veterans, 
among veterans, Lao veterans, American veterans, and all Southeast Asians veterans. Send to me if she wanted a copy of the DVD. Now forgive me, if I only reach that one person, who knows how many people I reached. That's right. I agree. I, I, when I got that letter, I actually cried. 39 years of a man fighting over there. He didn't understand what he was fighting for. Why was this go- war going on? Well, why was it going on? Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Go, Ralph. Now, maybe you've already heard this, but I want your listeners to understand. The purpose of the Vietnamese War was to create a drug culture in America. Mm -hmm. They agree. We sent our soldiers over there with no will. They wanted to win. They wanted to fight it and come home, but they weren't allowed to for eight years. Mm -hmm. Now, they didn't understand it. There was a thing called um, oh boy, flocking, flocking. I'm going to call it flocking. You know what that is? No. Uh-uh. During Vietnam, the the young soldiers who were fighting with the rifles would go out on patrols, and they couldn't win. They had to fight, and then they they'd lose three or four men, and then retreat, and then go fight again and retreat. Mm-hmm. It was you don't take the land and keep it. You fight and win, and then. And so they decided to end it by taking their lieutenants out by throwing a grenade on them. I've heard that story, those stories, yeah. I actually have met people that confirmed it. Really? Yes. Oh, my goodness. I I did a Google search several years ago, and they were able to count, I think, for 1,100 or something, first lieutenants who died mysteriously. They're not going to tell you what it was. But it was either flocking, and there was a word for you. You take a take a grenade, grab it, and then pull the pin. Hello, Lieutenant. Goodbye, Lieutenant. Because that was their way to say we've got to stop this madness. Right, right. And his poor man survived apparently, and God bless him. But I, I, I'm, I'm very honest. I was humbled by that, and I still am. It's hard to talk about because it's you say that's self-serving. No, it's not. We touched a lot of people. Here's my Tom Selleck picture. Uh-oh. Get ready, buddy. You're on the spot. <laughs> okay, folks. I'm going to have to describe this to you for the listener audience. One of these three Tom Selleck's. Was a wax dummy. Can you find which one that is? Careful now. I would say the one in the middle. You're trying to be a friend, aren't you? Well, I am a friend. What about (laughs) my family picked the guy on what in my right? On the left, yeah. The one on the right, folks, is a picture of Ralph standing there, just so you understand. (laughs) So everybody said the guy in the middle, because that's that's the wax dummy, and that's selling behind it. And me on Okay. Well, I remain, I remain in good standing still, right? <laughs> yes. I'll keep, I'll keep you as a friend. Because if you had said that, the guy the guy on the, the right is the dummy, I think I would have, oh, gee, I lost contact. <laughs> All the static, yeah. 
Okay, now, this is from... All right, reviews of the book entitled The Unseen Hand on eBay as printed on June 14, 2012. Now, I don't you can read that. I see a lot of five-star ratings. That's I can read the bigger... Let's see, the first one, this... Okay, hold it still. All right, this <laughs> is the best history book I've ever read. The next person's five-star... It was a very interesting book. Third person, five star, guaranteed to give you cognitive uh, dissonance. Uh huh. I don't next, know what that means. But... Next one is a five star, great book with an exclamation point. Uh, the next one is five star, The Unseen Hand by Ralph Epperson. Um, even if uh, for those. Uh, for those who can seek the truth, this book is for you. Very good. Wow. Five-star rating again. The most perfectly written text that I have ever read. Wow. Yeah, I got it all. Wow. On the bottom. Yeah, I did. The, the most perfectly written book I've ever read. That's amazing. The best history book I've ever read? Mm-hmm. I read it, and I think so, too. Okay, here's the reviews from eBay in 2022 this year on the other book, The New World Order. Okay, reviews of the book entitled The New World Order on eBay is printed on January 13, 2022. Rating, every every Dem or Repub should read it. Uh, that was five-star. Next one's five-star, must-read. Next one's five star. Must read important exclamation point. Next one, uh, five star. It's a very good book. Next one, five star. It's a good a good read. It's a page turner. Ninety five percent would recommend. Ninety four percent found found compelling content. Content. That's now, I good. don't understand. The unseen hand is very controversial. People have never heard this before. But when they read the book, they right. learn, don't they? They do. And they, yeah. write, they write reviews that say everyone should read this. You know, Ralph, uh, let me do a real quick thing here, review. Uh, back in the 80s, a fellow named Jim Rafino, that would be my father, read that book. And it changed his life, and it changed my life, actually, because he believed what was in it. And he taught me what was in it, which compelled me to read the book. So, yeah, it's it's a very important book, and it's a great history lesson, and everybody needs to read it. If you don't, and, and you're not, and you don't get the truth, then it's your own fault. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, if I may, I don't mean to intrude, but your father, was he pretty adept in conspiracy? Or was oh, he... yeah, very, yeah. Uh, but he read it and thought, this could, this could help, huh? Yeah, definitely. And he said, read the book or I'll smash you in the head, right? <laughs> yeah, something akin to that. <laughs> <laughs> so you said, oh, uh, let me interfere with that. I, I had a phone call at 3.30 in the morning mm-hmm. here in Tucson. Hello? Uh-huh. Are you Ralph Epperson? Yes, I am. Did you write The Unseen Head? Yes. I said, what do you, yeah, I know it's 2.30, 2.30 or 3.30, where it was, 2.30. But I had to call you, well, please go ahead. She said, I am an executive secretary, which means I'm the boss, the secretary to the president of a Fortune 400 company that I, if I told you who it was, 
you would recognize. Uh -huh. I just came back from Hawaii, two-week vacation, to visit my brother. And when I got there, he said, hey, sis, while you're here, read that book. What book? The book on the coffee at the table. So she walked over, and there's the unseen hand. Mm -hmm. She said, read it. Oh, I picked it up. Well, I saw about politics and history. I don't care. Sis, read the book. Not I'm, sis, you've got time. I can't be here for you. I got to go to work. But you're going to go sit on the beach if you want to or up here. Read that book. She said, I want you to know, Ralph, I picked it up and I couldn't put it down. Right. I agree. She finished it on the airplane coming back from Hawaii to San Francisco. She got out and got her luggage. And at 2.30, by the time she got home, she called me to say, you have changed my life. Wow. I said, I, 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 said, I want to warn you, be very cautious because... If you talk about that at that company you work for, they might very well decide you don't work for that company anymore. I'm serious. Really or you don't decide to live anymore. So I would, I would, be, I'm very really apprehensive about that. Hey, come on. You can buy gold. It's in the open market, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. Is it? Yes, you're saying? I'm saying, well, I bought it before. Let's just say that, yeah. All right. Big boob and barbarous relic. Okay. Economy and business. And Ralph, that, that's too small for me to read. It's, okay. blur, it's blurry. I'm sorry. This was in the uh, U.S. North. I don't have the date. But it had to be back in the 70s. Because I think it's in my book. So it would be 70, about 80s. As it has been since 1919, the worldwide price of gold has been set twice a day on the London gold market by five of Britain's leading dealers in bullion. They meet in the offices of N. M. Rothschild and Sons, which oh, are all prepared to trade in the middle that day. Nearly 60% of the gold that is sold Oh, I guess it ultimately becomes jewelry. So someone seems to set the price, and they're Rothschilds. Or yeah, that's kind of scary. Isn't that wonderful? Notice everybody tells you that, didn't they? But little Ralph, you found it. Uh-huh. It was a war report. Yeah. The only I know is because that's their type style. Right, right. Okay. Now... On my door yesterday, you know, since you speak Spanish. Honra tu pasado vota por tu futura. You're telling me you don't read Spanish. It's something about you need to vote. It has something to do with your future. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a picture of... Uh, I don't know who. Oh, honor your past. Okay. Honor. These are Mexican Americans or Latin Americans or Latinos or Mexican. Uh -huh. Right. Honor your past. What does it say about it? honor your past? Vote for your future. Register to vote. Make sure to update your voter registration if you have moved. Okay. Uh, let's let's put one of these out. Honor your past. Vote 
And let's show pictures of us white guys carrying signs and see what, they, what they're going to say about us. Mm -hmm. Isn't this called racism? Yeah, sure it is. In other words, if you and I did this, same thing, vote, let's vote. And we vote, hand them out door by door, honor their past, your, your whiteness. Let's do this. Oh, boy, we would be. But they did. That's apparently, this was in my mail yesterday the day before. Wow. Here we go. Are you ready? Yes. This is a packet. Somebody's at the door. Sorry. <laughs> okay, we're good, Rob. Don't calm down. If that dog attacked me, I'd be I'd be dinner, wouldn't I? Well, I don't know. You see her down there? <laughs> it's a little chewy. I don't think you'd have to worry too much about it. Okay. By the way, since I have a dog that's part Chihuahua, I am not racist. <laughs> you're right, because you're a Latin American dog. Everybody knows that. Okay, we were we just about. I think we've done it, except for this. Uh, this is we're going to cover Pearl Harbor, and then we can talk about Vietnam in more detail. Okay. All right. Well, that's a picture. I think that's the Arizona. It is indeed. Exploding and sinking. Yeah. That, that that picture was black and white. I think they colored it. But this is this is the SS Arizona in uh, Hawaii, and this is Pearl Harbor. This is the day of Pearl Harbor. Right. Okay. Ch General Billy Mitchell, champion of air defense. There he is. Yeah. Court martialed. The true story of the during okay I can't of the general who turned disgrace into something. Well, it's okay. Yeah, it says the, the true story of the daring general who braved disgraced in his fearless fight for an independent air force. Roger Burgain by Putin. So anyway, mm -hmm. here's what happened. Now maybe you can read the read these two lines here. Okay. All right. Uh, page 100. September 1923, he, General Mitchell, inspected the defenses of the islands. He projected an imaginary war in which Japan would attack the sub would attack and submitted it to General Summerall, the Army commander at Schofield Barracks. It was not precise it was not precisely the war which occurred 18 years afterwards, but in some respects it was surprisingly close to it. In other words, he told them uh, Hawaii was vulnerable. Right. And he found out what they needed to do, and they said, we don't care. Right. This was in 1923. Wow. In other words, don't say that, General um, uh, Mitchell. Mm -hmm. He tried. Now, Ralph, was he court martialed for saying that? Uh, that's I. Yes, I read that book. I bought it, and read it, but that was God, way back in the seventies. I, I I guess it was. He uh -huh. might have persisted in trying to get it to be, become a, a change. It. I I can't remember. Okay. All he, right. believed, he believed in uh, 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 airplanes bombing uh, ships. ships, and mm -hmm. he tried that, and they missed some. You know, so it, it was he got pilots. 
who's hardy dig some could land on a, a strip but they they didn't know how long it took for the bomb to fall down so they missed it so that could have been why they pooped because they didn't believe airplanes should have a so it was not only ships that suffered Pearl Harbor yeah they didn't listen those are airplanes aren't they yeah they are P-40s yeah okay let's start this is I will not I will ask you I'm going to be, present a case as an attorney and okay. you're to be I'm hoping you're the jury and you've been told to uh, abandon all previous thoughts and listen to the evidence and then rule on what you found out. Okay. Okay, try to do that. All right. Parade, December 6, 1981, page 20. In 1932, the U.S. forces gathered in the Pacific for practice war games to see how the Hawaiian naval base might be best defended. Oh, in other words, they're going to... They're going to say, wait a minute, Mitchell tried to warn us. We better find out. Right. Uh, the attack plane zeroed in from the northeast, and they demolished the opposition. Japanese military officers were invited to watch with interest. Holy what? guacamole. 1932? Uh. So they, they, they invited they, the Japanese to watch? They gave, they, them, they, they gave them the idea. <laughs> They gave him the plan. The article, I forgot what the word is, but the article went on to point out that after they left, their Naval Academy final exam was plan an attack on Pearl Harbor. Uh-huh. 1932. Hey, Yamamoto wasn't in that, was he? Observing okay. that? Yes. By the way, that was gonna, I was going to talk about that, but only general remind me to Cover how we how we got we took him out. It's an incredible story. Yeah, maybe you know it as well. Yeah, but I'd like you to present it. Okay. After this practice, nothing had been done to provide protection from the north. Wait a minute. That's what they're supposed to do. Right. I found out it was vulnerable from the north, and we showed the Japanese. Uh huh. Jeez. Oh, okay. Uh, down a little bit. Okay. In 1941, the Japanese attacked exactly as shown by the U.S. forces in 1932. Wasn't that brilliant? Oh, this country. Can you, can you comprehend what we're seeing? This is real. Yeah, exactly. It's not a joke. My God, these people. Oh, okay, here we go. Boy, that pisses me off. <laughs> All right. The Hilo Hawaii Tribune Herald, November 30, 1941, the Sunday before. Japan may strike over the weekend. Wait a minute. This is November 30th, 1941. The local Hawaii newspaper said the Japanese may strike over the weekend. Next weekend, because it's Sunday already. Right. So next Sunday they're going to attack. Well, that oh boy, that would oh that was some it's a headline. It'll we don't care. We had warning. By the way, I, I did find later in another sheet of paper or another ad or something, another island put their newspaper out with the same headline. Really? So it wasn't just this guy. I, By the way, let me tell you this. I found that picture. I, I, that's probably two inches to you. 
a little picture about this big on a, on a, a newsletter in the lower left-hand corner. So uh-huh. I took it out and tried to read it what it was. And I found out where I read, read the date and the strike. So I called the Hilo Hawaii Tribune Herald and said, can you find that newspaper? You still have it? Yes, it's still in stock. It's on archive. I said, would you be so kind as to photocopy the top half? Uh-huh. This is, well, this one's probably a copy of a copy for me. I made these and gave them out. But right. So they said, I've got the original from them. In other words, this is real. This wow. is printed. Wow. Okay, now let's talk about this war. Henry Stimson, Secretary of War. We face the delicate question of diplomatic fencing to be done so as to be sure that Japan be put into the wrong and make the first bad move. 62. Now, I, you disregard the number. Uh, that was my way to pick up. This is a footnote number. So it just okay. it's on a couple of pages. So they provoked the Japanese. Yeah. They provoked the Japanese. The question was, how should how should we maneuver them, the Japanese, into the position of firing the first shot without allowing too much danger to ourselves? Well, the last part didn't work. <laughs> okay. In spite of the risk, however, in letting the Japanese fire the first shot, we realized that in order to have the full support of the American people, Slow this one, please. Okay. It's really slowly. I want you to grasp what this is saying. It was desired to make sure that the Japanese be the ones to do this so that they should remain, there should remain no doubt in anyone's mind as to who were the trans, the aggressors. Roosevelt and Churchill paid 456, Joseph Lash. So all those boys had to die. What's that? So all those boys had to die in Pearl Harbor that day. Hold on, we're not finished yet. If you're a jury, just listen. And it was, hopefully, it was, I'm asking you to be, you might have some views already. Just, if you will, disregard that. Let me see if I can convince you what okay. we did to this war. All right. <clears throat> Two additional stories about Pearl Harbor. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, according to hit the History Channel document documentary, all the ammunition was taken out of the planes. Uh, was it two days before Pearl Harbor attack? Yeah, hold on. Why would they do that? They didn't want them to fight back. Specifically, they took ammunition. Hey, guys, uh, while you're Saturday, you know, before we go on leave, go ahead, make sure you remove all the, all the uh, uh, bullets, et cetera, and put them, store them in a warehouse someplace. Hold yeah. on, there's one more thought. Well, a couple more, but on that subject. Okay, number two. Oh, okay. I used to attend the Saturday morning breakfast club here in Tucson, and one of our regular members was a survivor of the attack on Pearl Harbor. He told us he was on shore leave the Sunday of the Japanese attack, and once he figured out what was happening, he put on his uniform and went to the deck where he hoped he could return to his ship, the dock where he hoped he could return to his ship. 
the battleship USS Oklahoma. He was unable to get a ride out to the ship, so he assisted other Navy personnel in rescuing sailors who were in the water. He later was able to reach his ship and was told that... Oh, now, here we are. Look at this. I'm not kidding. When I'm putting this stuff up there, I, I, inside, I'm crying. This I understand. Absurd. It's very morose. Okay. All of the battleships that had an inspection on Saturday, December 6th, he was told that according to Navy procedure, all of the bulkhead doors were to be opened prior to the inspection to facilitate easy access to the entire ship for the inspectors. Those doors were not... Let's just stop there once again. Okay, now, so we got all these battleships, other ships, being inspected on a Saturday. Right. I've asked, you know, in talk shows and wherever I get to this point or something about it, I say, does anybody think that 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 inspections are run on Saturday? Mm-hmm. They should be done during the week, you would think. You would think, okay. yeah. There was a reason it was done. If it if it's not done regularly, there's a reason it was done that day. Let's continue. Okay. Um, let's see. There it is, right? The second right that paragraph right there. Okay, the doors were not closed. Have the inspection been completed? That means they were open when the attack started. Ships that were hit below the waterline were quickly filled with water because there were no closed bulkhead doors to stop the spreading of the water throughout the ship. Isn't that an interesting mistake? Do you understand? It was an inside job. They knew the Japanese had torpedoes Low, low, low water, they would get in the water, not on top of it, in the water, and they would hit below the water line. And so we made sure if they hit the ship, it would sink. That's right. a good idea, isn't it? Keep yeah. the doors open. One of the books, the ch- little change in the story, I, I had to write this down because I, I can't find it, but I remember. See, I wrote it like this. Mm-hmm. One of the books that I read said President Roosevelt ordered the airplanes to be brought into a circle with the engine facing inside to protect them from sabotage. So we took all the airplanes and put them like this in a circle with the engines. Okay, so when the attack came, we had to get the crew to run out and pull the aircraft out by the tail. Right. Man, oh man. Now, I, I have to admit, I can't remember where I said that, but it's just one of those other stories about what they're doing to kill people. Roosevelt was a traitor. If the crew wanted to get the plane into the air, they would have to pull him apart. They didn't have reverse gear. Right. Wow. Now, this is a <clears throat> taken by a Japanese. And after the war was over, we got, of course, their records and we opened up Japan. So let's hear, this is a picture taken by one of these uh, uh, airplanes down on Pearl Harbor. Right. You'll see on the right side, am I, forgive me, this over here. Yeah, okay. Battleship Row. Can you see these little black <laughs> dots one after the other? Yeah. Mm-hmm. A nice row. And yeah. that's 
harbor near the harbor. Right. Now, by the way, here's your chance to show you're really a friend of mine. Because I'm going to say I spared no expense in creating a teacher's aid to show you what this was in reality. So after you say, well, I'm glad you really probably spent too much money, Ralph. Battleship Row, okay. <clears throat> so the battleships were placed right next to each other in row. So you had two and two and two. Oh, okay. were, I ran out of, I had this eight, but doesn't matter. Yeah. If you want to attack battleships, what do you do? You come in and you torpedo them. Well, you torpedo them from the side, but you drop bombs. Right. And and effectively, the the last two rows, Ralph, could not get out of there because the ships were blocking them. There we go. The cost. Do we want to talk about this? Sure. Yes. By the way, please understand, uh, this week, I've, I've had other uh, to do, so I've, I've hurried this up. I was still working on it this morning, trying to put this together, at least mm-hmm. get the story together, and some of the others at that. So it wasn't like the first time last week. I, I had plenty of time. I and we'll cover some of those things on this. I think it's going just fine, Ralph. Well, okay. Yeah. Now, here's a chance to read the cost. Okay. Four battleships sank. Four battleships damaged, including one, one run aground. <clears throat> that was in Nevada. Uh, two destroyers sunk, one damaged. One other ship sunk, three damaged. Three cruisers damaged. 188 aircraft destroyed. 155 aircraft damaged. 2,345 military killed. 1,247 military wounded. 57 civilians killed and 35 civilians wounded. That's one heck of a price to pay. Was it worth it? Of course, we have to have a major war. Okay, let's now get controversial time. Okay. Not through yet. Okay. The unasked question, if Franklin Roosevelt or Roosevelt knew about the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor in advance, how could he not do anything to warn the American men in uniform? The answer lies in his religion. He was a member of the Masonic Lodge, a worshiper or worship of another god. He asked to read the Masonic book written by the greatest Mason of all times, Albert Pike, entitled Morals and Dogma. And this is what his religion taught him from page 833 of the book, of this book. Are you ready? His religion taught him that's okay. Mm-hmm. What did Christ say about that? Thou shalt not murder. That's right. But their God said, read this. Morals and Dogma, Albert Pike, published 1871. It is not true to say that one man, however little, must not be sacrificed to another, however great, to a majority, to a majority, or to all men, 
sacrifice? Yeah. The Christian sacrifice? Christian no. And when you make it when you make a decision to sacrifice somebody, you've made a decision to murder them. Of course that that's taught by your religion, not mine. That's where I'll reflect. Well, let's finish. Yeah. That's not only a fallacy, but a most dangerous one. Often one many of one many and many men must be sacrificed in the ordinary sense of the word, to the interests of the many. Totally opposite of biblical teaching. That's what Lucifer does to you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the ordinary sense of the word sacrifice is, uh, in Webster's, the act of offering the life uh, and... Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, of an of an and I'm sorry the life of an unwilling person. Okay. Okay. I, I That's you. okay. No, no, it's all right. The offer life of an unwilling person in homage to a deity. Yes, Pearl Harbor was the international sacrifice of the lives of thousands of innocent men by a believer in the Masonic religion that taught him that it was permissible. Civilian man calls his sacrifice, civilized man calls his sacrifice, in the ordinary sense of the term, murder. Can you imagine? Roosevelt was sitting in the White House waiting for notification of Pearl Harbor. Right. General George Marshall couldn't take it. He Mm -hmm. went riding in the woods that day. These people knew what they were doing. They planned it from 1932. Yeah. Man, oh, man. uh, Personality Parade, Parade Magazine, February 28, 1982. Q. Uh, It is true that President, a question, is is it true that President Franklin D. Roosevelt knew that Japan was going to attack Pearl Harbor in December of 1941? What do you think he answered? Yeah. <laughs> you say, oh, you really believe Of course, that's what he would say. Because uh-huh. he's trying to expose it, right? Right. Let's read what Parade said. Okay. That's a question. You got to go up a little bit. Up, Ralph. I can't. It's You got to go way up. Answer, not true. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I was working that's on okay. the A part. Here's the A part. Put okay. Okay. Answer. Answer. Not true. One of the most authoritative books is At Dawn We Slept. Of course he didn't know. Come on. No man does that. Yes, it does if you're a mason. Or a sociopath or psychopath, which is the same thing. Admiral Husband Kimmel. He was in charge of the Navy at, at uh, Pearl Harbor. Uh-huh. Lieutenant General Walter Short. Yes. Well, that just says that he was a lieutenant general. So they, these were the two people in charge. So, obviously, Roosevelt didn't know. Of course not. No, he would never do that. So guess who's responsible? These generals right here. Right. And, and one was an admiral. Forgive me. One general, whatever. They're the fall guys. Yes. So they 
nine times our government investigated, did Roosevelt know? And the answer was, how many is that? Zero. Zero. Strangely enough, at least one of the uh, uh, one of the men, I believe, was in. I can't prove it, but I believe he was in all nine of them. Was another thirty-third degree Mason. Good figures. So thirty-three <clears throat> degree Masons protect their fellow thirty-three degree Masons. That's so right. Say, Roosevelt didn't know. Mm-hmm. That stinks. No, I don't think you can read it. Maybe you can read the headline. Okay, Pearl Harbor officer cleared of dereliction of duty charges. Okay, now that was, can you see, I think one's 1999, maybe 98. I'm sorry, I'll read Yeah, it. I'm sorry, I can't see I that. I know it's hard. It's um, uh, 1998, May 1999. No, it's 21, 22 years ago. They're cleared of, okay, here it is, quote, the Senate voted yesterday to clear the names of the two senior military officers who were accused of dereliction of duty as a result of the bombing of Pearl Harbor in 1941. Two men were relieved of their commands and forced to retire from the military at reduced ranks. But then, finally, the Senate relieved them of duty. They were saying they they were not guilty. Which I think was finally that was in 1999. That's what 25 years or so. Jeez, yeah. I don't know yeah. why they did it twice, but here's another article with the same story. Uh, Senate clears disgrace World War II commanders to blame for Pearl Harbor unreadiness. Yeah. Wow. That article I'll be reading. It's too. It says the Senate yesterday exonerated two American military commanders accused of dereliction of duty, Senator. Uh, reversed their demotion, so they got their job back as a full colonel in the Air Force. Both men retired under a cloud and short committed suicide shortly after leaving military service. Oh my goodness. Wow. For the January 1974 Foreign Affairs, <clears throat> the magazine of the Council of Foreign Relations is. Described as the invisible government, John Lewis Gaddis, a member, and quote, Japan attack on Pearl Harbor actually thrust the United States into World War II. But the Roosevelt administration had decided a year and a half earlier, 1939, to risk war in order to prevent the totalitarian domination of Europe. <laughs> that was the reason. They, they, see, it was only a part. Uh, well, let's finish this and remind me, Tripartite Treaty. Okay. Nine congressional investigators, investigations after Pearl Harbor found Roosevelt did not know about the attack on Pearl Harbor. Finally, in 1999, the Senate ruled that Pearl Harbor officers cleared of dereliction of duty charges, see article enclosed, um, but if the top two military officers were not derelict, that means that their commander-in-chief, President Franklin Roosevelt, was. Yeah, I guess it's a kind of a roundabout way, huh? Then that was done, what, uh, well, 45 and 99 is what, 
for 44 years, wherever it was. Yeah, dereliction of duty. I mean, uh, no, um, tripartite treaty. Yeah. Okay, we'll come to that again. Okay. And the next day, President Franklin Roosevelt called it a day of infamy, evil, fame, dishonor, loss of character, declared war on Japan. Yeah, he had loss of character, that's for sure. Conclusion. This is Ralph Epperson now summarizing it to the jury. And I say it was calculated. First degree premeditated murder on a grand scale. The jury finds him guilty. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Do you think the American people believe that? Here, the University of Arizona, where some notorious historian went to college, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, they have the bell from the USS Arizona. Really? It's in a tower. And every December 7th, they come Now, this is probably a good idea. They commemorate the loss of 2,600 men. And they've actually chiseled their names in, in stone as you walk around the campus. Uh-huh. Wow. They don't know this. And I think they would stop doing that. Well, Ralph, there was there was one man that knew this, and I'm going to tell you his name. John Rafino, my grandfather. He did not like Roosevelt for two reasons. Because Roosevelt got us into the war. And the other one is Roosevelt was a communist and started this on the socialist path. And I'll tell you, one day, Ralph, I mentioned his name at the dinner table, and it got quiet. And my grandfather, with a red face, told me that I was never allowed to say that name ever in his house again. Oh my God. Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Yep. So there were people that knew. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, uh, unfortunately, I, I, I didn't even know what war was. Right. I was born in 1937. Now, don't start subtracting, David. 37, and so I'm... 85, yeah. 20, what? 35? Uh, 25, yeah, 25. 25. Now, here's the point. What was I trying to... Tripartite agreement. Okay, let's talk about that. They got, actually, Hitler's the one that tried to get Japan to attack Russia, and they wanted certainly to turn the world into the Third Reich of a thousand years. Right. So they signed a tripartite, three-party contract. Italy, Germany, and Japan. So right. if anyone was attacked, automatically they were at war with the other two. Right. So now, they couldn't get Germany to... They tried. Roosevelt sent destroyers with cargo ships, English cargo ships for the war during mm-hmm. uh, World War One, I, I guess, or two. Yeah, before the war started. Right. They, Germany was already fighting, or it was. So they went there, and they were hoping they'd sink the German American ship, and then with the tripartite treaty, we'd be at war with Germany, Japan, and Italy. Right. Well, they, they all carried the Manlicker Carcano rifle. So they, they, couldn't, they couldn't hit anybody. In fact, they, probably more soldiers died because it exploded in their hands. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so anyway, 
the uh, as soon as Japan we declared war in Japan, that meant we were automatically at war with Germany and and uh, Italy as well. Right. Now, Italy, Italy didn't have an army with, and they were you know backwards and everything else. Tito thought he was going to. Is that his name? No. Uh, Tito was Yugoslavia. Yeah. yeah he was. He was uh, Mussolini. Mussolini, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was. Well, I'm in charge, and they met with the Hitler on the trains. Uh, his army quit and surrendered. And they didn't want to fight, so they were out of the war. Mm-hmm. So the point is that we now were at war automatically on a two-front war, and if America didn't have the free enterprise system. We would have lost. Right. That's, I agree. That's scary. Mm-hmm. If it was today, we'd lose. Right. If we had attacked from the east and the west at the same time, we'd lose. Mm-hmm. We can't. We can't. All of our medicines are made in China. Our 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 computer technology and their grid, whatever they need, is coming from China. Uh huh. I'm telling you, that's scary as well. Ralph, you know, there may be a, that Pearl Harbor may have been a harbinger for what's going to happen soon. There was a little report that we watched last night, and it was a simulation of the Chinese attack on Okinawa. Oh, okay. Because there's an American base on Okinawa. Yes. Okay. The whole island's an American base. Anyway, and the whole thing was that the Americans, uh, we, we are underplaned, undershipped, and everything in, in Okinawa. And that theoretically, if the Chinese attacked, they probably would win that that battle. Okay. So stop right there. You just said you thought probably China would defeat Taiwan. Right. The United States and Taiwan. Mm-hmm. Just to make sure we understood. Go ahead. So anyway, it's almost like history is going to repeat itself if this really happens. You know, because the, Taiwan, or excuse me, uh, Okinawa is, you know, it's a pretty well-defended base. Not very defended, but well enough. And the Chinese would have to take it out in order to go after Taiwan. So that might be something that we're going to see in our future, especially if Biden remains in office, you know. Well, remember what what, uh, that lady, Nancy Pelosi? Hey, (laughs) Miss Cheney is gone. Hooray. I know we were cheering yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> what happened in Alaska, Ralph? Did uh, did that Markowski or whatever it is? Did she get oh, defeated? It's a strange thing. There's the top four run off or something. I don't understand that. Uh, it's not not been made clear yet. But all I could see was that she was the fourth one. Okay. Murkowski got the first, and then the second there was. Apparently, it's Democrat or Republican voted. So I guess you're going to you count best, cast about for the four best, and then somehow they work out of there. Okay. So That's I weird. Huh. I hope she does get booed as well. But right. I agree. I agree. Wow, Ralph, you threw a lot at us, man. This has been interesting so far. <laughs> well, let me just say, how much of that did you know before? Um, I didn't know some of the stuff about World War II. I didn't know a couple of the things about Vietnam. So I learned stuff today. Okay, but we didn't want to briefly cover Vietnam. Let's go right. back to uh, uh, Pearl Harbor. 
I, I have not found many. I've read every book I can find for years, and especially for the Unseen Hand, because I covered this all back in the 85 period. Right. So there, there's stuff there that I dug out that no one else has been saying. Mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. Let me see. Let's see what we, we got about uh, three, two, about a 45 minutes or so. Yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, I got notification from an English publisher. Yeah. They told me that they were interested in, in printing uh, The Unseen Hand and the New World Order book. Right. So I sent them off, and they, they uh, I promised not to laugh. Uh, I, David Ruffino, promise not to laugh. I promise not to laugh, out outwardly. Not <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> to laugh, but they said we discovered it would be too expensive to translate into English. <laughs> David, you said Sorry. you no, I'm not laughing at. I'm laughing at the stupidity of the British to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Only the British would say something like that. Here's one thing I was unable to get. I was going to talk about 9/11 as well. Uh huh. Have you seen the Newsweek magazine cover in about 1948 or 50 or something like that? Uh huh. Two parts like this. Yeah. Uh, I I was unable to find it because I ran out of time. I worked here on Pearl Harbor. Right. But I told you that was planned way back in the four in the four, uh, late forties. What was Here's planned? Oh, okay, okay, I got you. Go ahead. Nine eleven was right. planned. It was not quite planned. It was an idea that could be used by David Rockefeller. Right. Okay. Now, on, on the picture of the cover, unfortunately, I can only describe it. He's sitting on the edge with his one leg down, different kind of bent, and he's got his hand on this knee. So he's sitting like this and looking at the camera, and he's on the front of his desk. His desk is behind him, and there's a blanket wall of clear glass, and you can see for 47 miles. Right. By God's grace, it's not significant, but I have to see this. Uh, I was in New York in 1946, I think it was. And my mother was born in Brooklyn, married my father, and he moved to Tucson. And so mm -hmm. we used to drive when he died, after he died in 44, 45, we went back to New York. And so we, my brother and I and mom, went down into New York City and there's the Empire State Building. Right. And there was boards up on the top top uh top part of the the, the attack like this. Uh-huh. A B twenty six five crashed into it during right. the problem. Mm -hmm. And I think David Rockefeller saw that said, I can use that later. Right. Now what did he do? Lower Manhattan had a zoning Restriction. You could not build more than 50, 50 or two or three stories because the local shorter buildings were afraid if they ever got falling apart, they would fall over on them. And it, it, so he got that removed. Mm -hmm. built, uh, the world, uh, world Center, what was it? World Trade Center, yeah. 
12 trenches. Mm -hmm. Now they were able to put 210 stories and 153, which was just at the line. Uh -huh. Now, so he made sure that somehow those two towers could be could fall down. Right. Airplanes could never do that. In fact, they were built to take airplanes. Exactly. Inside the cover, there's all sorts of beams and rods and things. So you have to get through there with a with a, 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 a huge jet doing 900 miles in air to get through it. Right. And I do not know whether they were hit by airplanes or not, still to this day. But it looks like they were hit by airplanes. Right. But those could never bring that those two buildings down. Uh-huh. There's a picture of the debris down here. And here stands a, a, a one of the, sh uh, the shafts. And it's cut like this at the top. Mm-hmm. Which means it was it's, it's cut by... Exploded. Mm-hmm. And that that picture's been made on you. That tells you that building was brought down by whatever they call that. Uh, yeah, controlled uh, explosion. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. So building number. Sorry, Ralph. I don't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. Uh, building number seven, the third one that came down. If you watch real carefully about it coming down, you can actually see explosions going off inside the building. Um, and also, the building buckles like this. So it will fall inland, yeah. not out. Uh -huh. They started this. You could see these two, this section break like this and then come down. Right. So right. the guy that, th those buildings were built for the uh, uh, city government. I think. Of course, they may only take half of it or something. But mm -hmm. it was full of um, bankers and uh, offices and also major, uh, uh, so... Giuliani's uh, emergency center was in one of the towers. Uh, I thought no. it was in building number seven. Yeah. Seven. Yeah. Okay, that's a short one. Uh huh. Okay. During the, while that building was still standing, apparently Giuliani went there to administer the radios for the fire and the ambulance and whatever else. The right. So he's in charge of pushing buttons like the, the guy without the with the, the with the curtain behind him. <laughs> I'm in charge. I'm really on. Uh -huh. so he's now walking on uh came down and he's walking as the buildings had fallen. You could still see the dust in his air and he's walking towards the camera like this. And the camera's going like this. And he said, Yeah, we had a uh, an attack. Uh, I had trouble getting out of the building uh, for I think it was 20 minutes, but we finally worked our way out. There was no attack. No, uh, no. And it's it was still standing. Mm -hmm. So Giuliani, where did where did that story? I actually watched him say that. Right. It, they, their way out was blocked, but they took another way out, and that's why they got out of the building. And he's walking, being interviewed. Huh. The guy, th those buildings were owned, turned over to the Port Authority. Right. But before the attack, this contractor or building owner got him on lease, both of them. Mm -hmm. he, he got each one to be a separate attack, so he got twice the amount of one both coming down. So right. $4 billion, just like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
There are stories that there was gold underneath one of them. Yeah. I don't remember who whose gold that was, but they always made sure they got it out of there. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Now, David Rockefeller's got his arm. I, I can't do it except to show you this is at an angle like this. Here's the watch. Okay. It's a circle. And it's not very big, but if you magnify it close up, the hands on the watch point to 9-11. Come on, really? No joke. Wow, that's the symbolism right there. This is not a big watch with jewelry. It's a Mickey Mouse watch. Uh-huh. The numbers are big. That points right to 9-11. That's amazing. And this was taken five, six years before. Wow. The movie 9-11, I'm sorry, Back to the Future, 1985, Uh 88, and 89. There's three of them, a sequence. Right. 85, 89, 88, and 89. All right. At least 20 to 30 specific references to 9-11. Really? In those movies. Wow. I would urge you, I'll give you one if I may. Sure, hit hit me with it, Ralph. I'm intrigued. That's the best I can do. I used to work for a company called Western Auto. It it was a miniature Kmart. They Uh bought a department store. And were they everywhere, Ralph, or were they in Arizona? Where was Western Auto in, in um, Arizona? Or well, I don't. I, I never really found out. I worked for them part time. I, I I was uh, worked on the floor. Now, forgive me. That is their sign. Western Auto is written in that circle. Okay. And that's what it looks like on the wall. <clears throat> okay. And you see this. And to 9-11. Yeah. I see it. This was the flame. Of the car. In other words, it's only one of maybe 20 or 30 references specifically. Really? Now, over and over and over again, they do it very subtly. You got to pay attention. Mm-hmm. I would suggest you buy them or grant them wherever you do and sit down with one and start looking for it. Okay. They have a Twin Towers Mall. And it's one of these signs that's a. Like this. It, it, it's, you know, in other words, it, it's like this. This is one side. This is the other in the top. Right. It's, under, it's got two two Christmas trees side by side. Uh-huh. It's got a, got a clock. Uh, one of those uh, numbers with the little dots and the changes. Yeah. It's just, Digital, it's, yeah. It's Twin Towers 437. And then after the second time he goes back to that same building complex, it's now called the Lone Tower. Really? Tower, yes. And 
the 9-11 is upside down. Really? There's, there's dozens of these. That's amazing. It, how did, oh wait, slow down now. The guy that made the movie, big, big producer. I, I'm sorry, it doesn't. Really I don't know if it was George Lucas or something like that. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Let's just say Lucas didn't do yeah. it. So Spielberg, maybe. Yeah. Spielberg, bingo. Okay, he good. Producer of these three movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lucas might have been. Involved. How did he know that in 1985? Unless he was an Illuminati member or a member of the Masonic Lodge, and they already had the plans made. Yeah. That wow. was total fraud. Those buildings were planned to come down. They were built to come down. Mm-hmm. Jeb Bush's business got the contract to do some remodeling or something, and they shut the building down, turned all of the uh, 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 lights off, uh, and he, his business made sure that the building explosions were there. I don't know how he did it. Really? That doesn't it doesn't surprise me. But but there there were people coming to work the next morning and there was a heater like this. And they'd have to brush this off with dust and concrete. This part of it up against the window. Uh-huh. So something was going on. Right. So that but David Rockefeller said he saw the the, the Empire Big side building being damaged. I'm going to use that somehow in the future. Yeah. And he was the one that got the zoning changed so mm-hmm. that they could build the skyscrapers to the 50 story ones. The lady from England, her, the, the New York, the, the London Times, yeah, the building number seven fell down. It's right behind her. Yes, building seven fell down and it's dropping down to two, about 10 minutes now. It's still, it's still there. <laughs> Come on! I'm really serious. I think you and Barbara need to sit down and watch that. Not the Back to the Future. Okay, we will. They 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 frequently play them one after the other on one of the movie channels. Uh-huh. So that way, or you can rent them or buy them. But I sit down and uh, start making like make a list. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they get in the uh, the, the the car that uh, uh, that it's a it's a, a DeLorean, yeah, DeLorean, and it's got the you got the kept the numbers flashing. Where you you're you're in in Silicon, you type that in, and you type in where you're going. Uh huh. Eighty nine miles an hour in a flux capacitor. Right. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah. It up and rush and rush off, and I said it would fly like this, and we were doing that. So all, but the main three was he knew. Uh huh. Covers of rock and roll records, acid rock, had buildings shown the t- the towers in in flames. Really? And yeah, this was it. Came out years later. I I didn't say all that, but I did. Someplace in this house, I've got the pictures. What you might want to do is, if you want to see that, it's a Newsweek magazine, I think. I would type in David Rockefeller Newsweek cover mm-hmm. and then try to find it. And you'll see it like this. He's sitting in such a way that he's kind of looking down 
into the Territon Cigarette Act. Okay. On the back of it. You said Newsweek, right, Ralph? I, as I remember, I think I think it is. Yes. Okay. And you said that was from the 1940s, Ralph? Or oh, the movie was made. Oh no, I mean I meant the Newsweek magazine. Oh, that no, uh, I'm sorry. I don't think it's going to matter because okay. I don't think I knew that when I found the pictures. I've got them somewhere in the house. If I, I'll look for them. Okay, I'll find it. Yeah. I would, I would just sit and look at that. You think David Rockefeller's got a Mickey Mouse watch? I don't think so. Mm-mm. No. 47 diamonds, it'll tell him when it's uh, high tide in Honolulu. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. How long it takes. It's all, no, he's got this little cheap watch with the big numbers and the point like this. Let me ask you a question. Do you think real planes hit that? Or was it a um, Project Blue Beam that was making a, um, kind of an animation of planes hitting the towers or what? I, I have no answer. I simply don't have an answer. I, okay. There was a woman claiming that it was, uh, she had a name for it. Yeah, hologram. Holog- well, yeah. yeah. But, well, it's even worse than that. She think it was some sort of delta ray or something. But yeah, Project Blue Beam. Yeah, mm-hmm. wherever it was. I I just don't think that's true either. Yeah, I cannot explain it. I don't not do not know how they got it down. Uh-huh. Uh, there was a video put out by Dave Van Kleist. Ever heard of him? No. Uh-uh. He was a talk show host, and uh, he's still alive and well. He, he, oh my goodness, we've gone an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. I'm getting worried about the time. Uh, we don't have some time yet. Anyway, he, he put out a beautiful DVD, and he found that the one airplane that went in, on the bottom of it, here had a, a, a flat stretch all the way from the front to the back, which is not common. It's supposed to go back like that. Right, right. He showed that going in, and uh, also just as as the as the the jet airplane hit, there's a flash. Uh-huh. Right, yeah, right at that moment. I saw that, yeah. So for the other, the other tower, uh, the first one, we talk about uh, Bush, George Bush, reminder. Uh-huh. The, the, oh, I lost my thought. No, take your time, take your time. Anyway, the, uh, I, I don't remember what I was going to say, but then I said, remember George, because George, oh, George Bush claimed he saw the first plane hit the building. Right. Now, he was in his own limousine driving to that school to have the lady down in Florida read from a book about, guess what, the goat. Mm-hmm. A story about the goat. goat right. Like maybe Satan and Baphomet is a goat. I don't exactly. Know. Yeah. He's sitting there minding his own business like this. And like uh, uh, David, uh, the uh, second airplane that crashed. And he yeah. Now, the thought was this if he did not know what, was, what that was, the, if this was really an act of terrorism, 
they could have followed his jet airplane and found out where he was and take him out by putting a missile in that little school. Because he That's said right. 20 minutes. That's what it was. He got up in his testimony. I saw the airplane hit the first building. No, you didn't. No. Unless it's possible someone did shoot it specifically to his limousine so he could watch it. Being <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Think about that for a moment. Mm-hmm. But think mm-hmm. about the second thought. If he was a target, which could entirely be possible to get rid of him as well, why would he sit there after he got to notice the second chicken bomb and hit or maybe fell wherever it was? Right. And then he admitted that he watched it himself. And uh-huh. he said, as I remember, he said he saw it in the school TV set. Right. In the limousine. So I, I'm, I'm sure a little bit sketchy on that. And if, it, yeah, and if it, it wasn't a school television set, why was the television set playing while he was reading? <laughs> yeah, I think it was in the next room. Oh, okay. He probably saw it as he came in and stopped for a second and looked at it. Oh, my God, they just hit one or two. Or it yeah. was number one because uh, he was told number two was hit while he was sitting. We mm-hmm. think that's what he said. Right, right. They're all dirty, Ralph. They're all dirty. <clears throat> this, the more I study this, this thing has to be Luciferian. Oh, yeah, of course. Well, you know, he's the God of this world. Yes. Yeshua said that. Jesus said that. So. <clears throat> Have I ever told you about my teaching career at a community college? Yeah. Did I ever tell you about the, the court board drawing of the population? exploding in my classroom. You told me, but why don't you tell everybody else? In 1973, I was just starting, I was still reading, not writing books, but I was taking, if I showed you the columns of drawers for um, uh, information, some of the stuff for this thing came, that, that folder in Pearl Harbor is about that thick. Wow. So, and I looked through there for, I like, used some of these articles here. Uh-huh. So, um, the, the guy in charge, he was a, a Republican hardcore, and we met someplace, and he said, come lecture to my class. I said, well, I could do that. So I went to his class. I had 45 minutes. I think I don't remember whether I bought slides or a handout. It was one or the other. So I'm having, okay, we're going to read number six here. And, and I shared with them how our government built communist Russia. Right. 45 minutes. I left quietly. Then I did my job. Three weeks later, hello? Yeah, Gordon, it's Gordon. Well, well Bryce, he said, let me tell you this. Our students are still talking about you. Wow. And he said, forgive me, this is, I, I'm going to tell you what he told me. He said, you are a natural teacher. Mm-hmm. He said, those students grabbed hold of what you said. Mm-hmm. And we're still talking about it, and you as well. Wow. Get you to teach here. I said, I can't teach here. I have to have a master's degree and a bachelor's from what university? Arizona State. I'm sorry. I always get those University of Arizona. Um, next time, reverse it. Reverse it. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. So they arranged. I went in. Uh, then Gordon convinced the dean 
to let me teach them. Uh-huh. I got a classroom assigned at room 472. So I walk in, I get early because I remember Professor Woods would come in first first day of class and we used to call him Foggy Woods. Am I in the right classroom? Yes, Professor Woods, sit down. You're the teacher. We helped him get, find the right room. So I got there early, wrote on the board, Ralph Epperson, uh, title of the class, and uh, whatever the date was. Really. So we got past that. And I said, there's a, on the end of the, and the four, four court boards, and on the end of it, on the foot, my left, was a drawing of the earth on a board, you know, a paper circle. Mm-hmm. And people were little half circles falling off. They were so, they packed like this. And right. They were off. So I said, to them, How many of you believe that? And I'm sure half of them said, I don't know this teacher. I don't want to go on the wrong side. <laughs> I'm going to say, I don't right. know. So half of them, I believe that. So I said, Tomorrow morning, I'm going to show you that's a bold faced lie. There is no population explosion. And because a few days or months before, I sat down and figured it out. I I decided to move, at that time, 4 billion people, everyone on the globe, into tiny little island, Oregon, and sunk the rest of the world. If you want to live above water, Oregon. Uh So I said, how many people... Are we going to have stand on their heads? How many times do we go to the moon and back if we got four million people in Oregon? A lot of 50 by 53 for a family of four. Wow. That's amazing. Well, back then, yeah. Mm-hmm. Your state. Right. A family of four. That's a residential lot for four mm-hmm. billion people. Sure it is. I wow. got that big. This guy's telling us something. And they sat there, not one question, not one whimper. They were just writing notes as fast as they could. I, I think I <laughs> had out here writing them. So the dean called me in. He said, I want you to read this. I said, What? And I said, hey, I'm going to. No, I told him when I, when I started, I said, How long can I have? To, for them, if they don't like what they're doing, what I'm teaching them, for them to get their money back and leave. Uh-huh. Three weeks, four weeks, let's say a month. So I said, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll make you a deal. I'll, I'll, I'll guarantee a month. But uh-huh. if I'm not doing the job, you won't have to tell me. I will know, and I'll ask you to refund their money. Right. So the three weeks went by. I kept saying, God, this is amazing. I've got these kids bonding like this. <laughs> so I thought of the unseen hand. That's where the unseen hand came from. Uh-huh. So where was I going? Oh, then I read a book called The Population Bomb by a Stanford PhD. Oh, jeez. Yeah. He said in 20 years, we're going to be standing on our shoulders. And I used that book. I'm saying, this man's lying to you, even though he's got a PhD. Right. They took that. <laughs> Papes of paper that showed it was a plot by, and the teachers, the, the teachers out there on campus, they're full time with the PhD working on a master's degree, because they, they were turning out PhDs, as I think I've told you before, 
way too far, too fast. There wasn't right. a job for them. Uh -huh. so they got it down to down to a master degree. So uh, they, uh, so they, who gave you that? And they said they don't believe this. I said it's mathematic. Have them figure it out themselves. Right. Well, that that ended that. I think from that point on, they said you better sh just don't talk about it to me. Because who is this guy? <laughs> So I want you to know that we talked about that. Uh -huh. So you were a fly in the ointment, basically. <laughs> yes, you bet. But I'm telling you, it was well worth it. And I, I, as I continued, it, it just kept occurring to me. I, I must be doing something right. Uh huh. I didn't take attendance. I just said, "Come and listen. I'll have a final for you. And if you're here, you can take it, and I'll turn it in and get a grade." Uh huh. So I said, "I'm not going to have pop quizzes." I'm not going to test you because I don't have time. I want you to know. Right. Talking to you, eyeball to eyeball, telling you, you make all the notes you want, refer to them for your own purposes, but there's not going to be a final one. Who said so and so? Because it's going to be general. Uh, I made up a story. There's there's a, a, a rocky uh, uh, field, and the only way to get rid of it is to hire people to pick rocks up on this side and throw them over the wall. Right. Finally, they'd get over there and there'd be no rocks. But then when they came to this side, how do you get rid of them? Well, you get rid of this side's rocks by throwing them over the other side. Right. What do you think of that? And what would you do to do that? How do you get rid of the rocks? Those questions like that, goofy things, but made them challenging, start thinking. I never thought of that. So. Huh. Well, that's cool. Wow, Ralph. That's amazing. <laughs> hey, Chiang Kai-shek, real quick. Okay. I think I told you the story, but maybe your listeners would like to know. In 1923, uh, I believe it was, hold on. Uh, by the way, this is juice, not a bubbly. <laughs> okay. I'd be passed out if this was a bubbly. Apple, apple juice, I'm, I'm assuming. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you caught me. Okay. Now you really got to convince me it's just juice. <laughs> it's grape juice. Oh, okay. <laughs> Apple juice had an effect on my body. <laughs> so I went to grape juice. Anyway, so where was I? Chiang Kai-shek. 19... Chiang Kai-shek. Yeah. 1927. Sun, Sun Yat, I think his name was Sun Yat-sen, was the dictator of China. Right. Number two stepped up, Chiang Kai-shek. He was trained by Moscow into communism. Really? So Sun Yat-sen. So he was turning the nation into communists. Chiang Kai-shek was? Oh, no. I, hold on. Okay. I think Chiang Kai was also taught by the same Moscow communists. Oh, okay. Just hold on. All right. Let's talk about what happened to him. He got the eye of some beautiful little Chinese girl. May Lin Soon, I think her name was, and they started dating, as you do, and he got to meet her father, who was a Chinese Baptist minister. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Chinese. Uh -huh. And he's got a church going, and Chiang Kai-shek, of course, got him dating her daughter. I, they probably had chaperones, or they were customers, and uh -huh. so... He started noticing the quality of people this church was gathering, how friendly they were. They weren't angry. They were doing good works and getting more members to join you. And he said, wait a minute, I want to be one of them. Uh 
to Chaitashet became a Christian. And I that, never knew that, Ralph. That afternoon, the communist said, we've got to take him out. Really? They started the revolution in the north or something. So he's got, he got people with spears, I think, and throwing things and whatever they do, and maybe jujitsu or something. Uh-huh. So Uncle Sam, help me, give me an army, because they got rifles. Maybe they're old, but they're, they got rifles. I don't have rifles. So we funded them to $90 million worth of military equipment. And George, uh, uh, Secretary of State Marshall, was in charge of making sure it got to Chiang Kai-shek. But in my book, I quoted him. He said, I armed Chiang Kai-shek. I could as easily disarm Chiang Kai-shek. So the revolution won. Right. Chiang Kai-shek took whatever friends, people that loved him, and went to Taiwan. Uh We supported that movement. And he turned it in. You read the answer, you probably didn't think about it or even just read through it. But Chiang Kai-shek outproduces China about three to two, and they got millions of people. Yeah, Taiwan. Mm-hmm. It's, got, it's got this big, and it's got the, the whole country outproducing. It's uh-huh. a fantastic success. That's amazing. Now, how come Putin can't beat Ukraine? Why doesn't he won? I don't know. You tell me. I've got I've got ideas, but go ahead. Well, militarily wise, his soldiers don't want to fight. Good. And uh, Ukraine is backed by the West. Yes. Um, and is militarily being supported by the West. And that's all I know, right? And but wait a minute. No, there's another thing I know is that the the Russians don't have a central bank. As far as I know. No, if I may, I'll, when you're ready, I'll, they do. Oh, okay. You mean like the Federal Reserve? Yes. Okay. They, I didn't... they did until the czar was gone. Czar didn't want some stinking central bank. Right. Okay. Well, that explains the revolution. Guess who took it over? It was the Rothschilds and those banker families. They owned that, the bank in there. That's why there's not going to be, a, as I said, a nuclear war ever with Russia. We're never right. going to because the rocket, the, uh, the, uh, the Rothschilds and the other bankers don't want to get their banks blown up. Huh. Well, you know, that, that explains something in scripture for me, too. Okay. Because, uh, real quick, in the Gog Magog War in Ezekiel 38 39, it says that fire, God is going to rain down fire on Gog and on those who live safely in the coastlands. Yeah. The only one that could do that then, well, nobody else has got missiles. Or, uh, you know, you're saying nobody else has nuclear weapons except the United States. So I don't know how that's going to happen. But if the Chinese did have nuclear missiles, which they don't, um, then the Chinese could rain them down on Russia and the United States. But anyway, uh, I just wanted to make an aside there. Let's talk about that. Let's say that China did decide uh, to develop intercontinental ballistic missiles with warheads on them. Uh-huh. They independently did that because they, these people are smart and they've got the ability and uranium and everything else. Uh-huh. They decide to nuke America. Right. What does America do? 
for all America, we retaliate if <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> Explain a hand gesture so the people I can't see you. An exchange? An exchange of, uh, what, yeah, missiles, uh-huh. In other words, we're going to fire back and we're going to destroy China. Right. So who wins the war? Nobody. Both of them are leveled. Right. Russia wins the war, actually. And let's go back. If China is owned by American capitalists, quote, as we talked about on your program, uh-huh. why do the communists love, I'm sorry, why do the capitalists love communism? That's why. They're able to go there and they get the franchises. Right. They, run, they build the factories, they build the autos, they build, and no one else can do it in China. So uh-huh. That's right. During your program, well, I guess a couple of weeks ago. Where right, we? right. That's right, we did. I'm pointing out to you, both of those nations are partners of the conspiracy that runs America. They're right. Mutually working together to bring the new world order. And if they're working together, then they're working. It's not just those three parties. It's a, it's worldwide yeah. in every nation. Yeah. Well, that's the good Fauci joined with what? The number one wealthy vaccinator with his phony wife. Oh, yeah, Bill Gates. Bill mm-hmm. Gates. Gates invited him to his 400 room. Now, he doesn't need 400. Maybe he could get by with 200, don't you think? Right. Uh-huh. 400 room. Said, you and I, we got to form a partnership. We're going to develop a, 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 a virus that will make, will get the governments to make mandatory, and then we will create the, uh, the vaccination and we'll vaccinate mandatorily the entire world, baby. Right, right. That's the plan. That's what COVID was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. Right. Hey, you, you made a comment there, and I have to ask you about it. You said phony wife. What did that mean? Say it again. You said Bill Gates and his phony wife. His wife is a man. Okay. That's what I thought. I know I believe that also. Yeah. You can see it in his pictures. They yeah. Got, got pictures of three or four of them. Schumer, Schumer, whatever his name is. Schumer, his yeah. A man. Yeah. There's one more in a picture. There's, a, there's three major ones. But you look at look at the husbands. They're uh-huh. all little wimpy guys. They're clearly wimpy men. Right. That's true. That's you true. Know, <clears throat> you and I, macho men, we get women, don't we? That's right. Boy, and and I, I got the best one, too. No. <clears throat> oh, I know you did originally. <laughs> Let's say equal. Equal to Okay, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, get, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm getting ready to go see her at every breath I take. I just can't wait. I know. I know. It's terrible. And that'll be a glorious day, Ralph, for you. You know? I believe so. Yeah. We talked about this. Let me tell you what. why George Herbert Walker Bush got into the offshore drilling. I think I told you. Let me tell your listening audience. Okay. You build out outside of the, of the there's a, a, a territory, five miles of outside of the coast is, Still American water. Uh-huh. You get past that, it's in neutral water. 
Right. So you go outside the water and you build a platform, you build, you develop oil, and then you shoot it in or you truck a trailer or you develop the line. But you've got employees. It could be 100 people working on that thing. Right. So every, maybe what they do is they work two days and take one off like the fireman. But yeah. Those men take, take a, and go back to their homes. They live in New York, you know, Dallas or Austin or wherever uh-huh. the cities are. So they go home. You could get them to fill their pockets and the ship with drugs. Right. And have them go. There's no customs on when they land on the other ship. That's right. Uh, yeah, that's George Herbert Walker Bush. Yeah, the the first George. Yeah, one of the sources of his wealth. Uh huh. I believe it. They just they, they take a little boat and they put under George Herbert Walker Bush and they Zapata oil and we go across there. Everybody go, hey, you see, see our money and take it back. Uh huh. Hey, but Ralph, if they didn't respect the Kennedys because their father was a bootlegger. Somebody that smuggles drugs into this country is in an essence a bootlegger, right? So why why would they respect George Bush if he's smuggling drugs into this country when they didn't respect um, uh, Patrick Patrick Kennedy when he was smuggling uh, liquor into this country? The, the very wealthy, I think that's, oh, I'll just cover it with my normal answer, is that J- Joseph Kennedy Sr. did not make his money by owning a railroad right. or a, a factory or uh-huh. a, buildings or uh, a hydroelectric dam or something. Like the other elites did, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And they never accepted his wealth. Right. That's why Joseph and the sons never made the CFR. Uh-huh. Right. So, and he bought an election for jo- John, uh, John, Jack Kennedy, John Kennedy. Yeah, John Kennedy. Uh-huh. And the older brother was killed by the Roosevelt. I covered that in the video. But right. That was the major reason. He he never made the list of the Fortune Five before. He might still be listed well up higher, but he made his money on bootlegging with the with the mafia. Uh-huh. So, and, but this is George Herbert Walker Bush. Right. So, Bush was in the CIA, according to Hoover, in uh-huh. 62. Oh, that's right. That's right. Don't, don't, hey, don't, don't, don't. Yeah, hold on. Grab a, grab a, hook to talk to Oh, this is important. Where is it? Oh, please, come on, find it. <laughs> you look like me. <laughs> it's terrible. I got a crop. Oh, here it is. Oh, listen. This. What is it? Hold on. Up, up a little bit, Ralph. It's upside down. The missiles. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. I had it. Up. Now, and uh, in that way. <laughs> and up. I can't see it, Ralph. It's okay, too low. It's yeah. The missing JFK assassination film. The Sapruder film is totally unusable. It's right. The car stopped. Mm-hmm. And the driver killed John Kennedy. Yeah, I believe I'm still that. Still holding to that. Uh-huh. I just read another, reading another book about the 
Oswald were supposed to fire from the sixth floor, run down the flight of stairs, down to the second floor to get his Coca-Cola. Right. Those steps are so noisy. Uh-huh. The whole building. Right. At the same time, three women from the fourth floor were taking the same steps, and they should have met halfway down. Right. There was no... These three women have been interviewed. They found them. I'm reading the book that proves it. They all said there was no one in the stairway. That means he wasn't ever on the sixth floor. He was on the ground floor. Well, yeah, I've got a picture of him. And it's a, you got to understand, he's not on the ground floor. Well, yeah, the, basically the first he's, floor, yeah. He's on a, a side panel like this. Uh-huh. And leaning out the window. Right. That's something I should do maybe next time is to tell me my my gut reaction about Oh yeah, that'd be great for the next one. Talk talk about Oswald and when I think he was and why he did what he did. Uh-huh. Why did he go to the theater, why did that's a very interesting. Then yeah. Give him to work on. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Let me just read this last thing, please. Okay, sure. This, we we I believe I all contend it's documented, but you don't have to believe that George Herbert Walker Bush was directly involved in getting six groups together to to assassinate the president. You can accept that or not. Mm-hmm. But if he did, this quote makes enormous sense. Page fifty, uh, one eighty-seven. Listen to this. There was a character running around uh, down with with uh, Oswald from New Orleans to Dallas and up and around, driving, going, going to things, doing things, named George de Morinschelt. He was a Russian, apparently noble, like I guess an archduke or duke or something, king of uh-huh. And that's how he met B.L.V. Oswald. So let me ask you this. George de Morinschelt is, there's at least grounds to believe he was both a CIA and an uh, FBI uh, a contact, if nothing uh-huh. more than that. Right. What was George Morinschelt sending letters to former CIA director and later U.S. President George Herbert Walker Bush asking for his help, letters, not phone calls or personal for help with the questions he was getting before the alleged, okay, that's the House Select Committee on Assassinations was wow. after him and sending him letters to tell us what you know about or join us. So he's writing letters to George Herbert Walker Bush. Why did he write to Bush? <laughs> he must have known. Yeah. Secondly, you're not very smart to put it in writing. Exactly. Exactly. I think George Herbert Walker Bush contacted Luigi. He said, Luigi, George DeMoran Schultz writing letters. Could you see if you could do something about that? Break his fingers so he can't write them. <laughs> or maybe put a shotgun in his mouth. Yeah. Guess what? He committed suicide. Yeah, that's they all commit suicide. How much of an agent was he writing letters? To the man that employed him to make sure Oswald got there to the assassination. <laughs> Not too smart. 
that's not too smart. Uh-uh. Wow. When I read that, I said, that's proof that little John Jr. is right. Yeah. Bush ran the whole show. Yeah. Well, Ralph, you've thrown a lot of interesting stuff at us today. <laughs> Lots of it. And I'm really appreciative of that. And I know the audience is. Um, you, you laughed when I showed you the picture of the, the three Tom Selleck's. So I don't know if I can forgive you for that. Okay. Well, sleep on it. Let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Folks, we get around like this all the time on the phone and everything else. Ralph is not just a, a, a an interviewee. He's a he's a good friend. So, yes, I, 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 by the way, I've often said that, and I want your listeners to know, you and I, I think we're brothers under with a different mind. I think so too. Yeah, because we are very simple. I don't know what the word empathetic or sympathetic. We yeah, both, we both have the same desires. I could give you my five minute. Theology, if you want to end, we've passed our time. Uh, yeah, I don't say I don't see why not. Five minutes, what the heck? Yeah, God decided to create. He was lonely. Uh-huh. God. So for some reason, he decided to create angels, but he created them to specifically worship him. Right. So wouldn't be lonely. And I said, that's not fun. These people are, don't have the conviction. So I said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to create another class of beings called humans. Right. And then I'll give them free choice, not animals. Animals don't have free choice. Right. God heard that the door click or the doorbell. She instinctively started barking. That's the way she's been trained. Uh-huh. She didn't say, oh, I better. We have the ability to think. Right. And you answer questions. And my conclusion is, we've got only one question to answer. Peter was asked by Jesus, whom do you say I am? Right. If you answer that question correctly, you are saved for eternity with Mm -hmm. Jesus and the Father. It's that simple. Uh Use this thing and think. Right. Reflect and ponder. And you will. We can do is use my my three proofs, scientific proofs of God. I can prove to anyone that's even a skeptic that believes in agnostic, he worships the fire hydrant. I'll get him to believe with his own mouth that. Right. Awesome. Think about that. Answer the question. Whom do you say I am? And I answered that question, and I'm saved. Amen to that. Amen, Ralph. God bless you. I know you are as well. Okay, let me uh, go ahead and end this, then we can just chat for a few minutes. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and end this stuff, folks, okay? Uh, Ralph, thank you for being here again, and we'll do it again on Wednesday. Yeah, I can't thank you enough, Dave. You've been very kind to give me extra time. And sometimes I don't have all my battleships in the room. That's okay. You know, but uh, immediately tonight, I'm going to place this on Truth Social so that important people that need to see it will see it. And I'm not saying that rest of my audience isn't important, but there's some people that 
our our movers and shakers in this society that need to see this stuff. Well, and yeah, and um, and then I'll post it on Rumble for everybody else. So, okay, Ralph, thank you again, and um, until until next week. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. Good evening. You too.